Amen. Wow. <laughs> Let us pray. Amen. God of beauty and God of grace, we thank you because we are in your presence. We praise your holy name and we rejoice. Amen. Amen. I want to read scripture today. Scripture is from Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Cantad alegres a Dios, habitantes de toda la tierra. Servid a Jehová con alegría y venid ante su presencia con regocijo. Know that the Lord is God. It is God that made us and we are God's. We are God's people and the sheep of God's pasture. Reconoced que Jehová es el Dios. Dios nos hizo y no nosotros a nosotros mismos. Pueblo suyo somos y ovejas de su prado. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless God's name. Entrad por sus puertas con acción de gracias, por sus atrios con alabanza, alabadle y bendecid su nombre. For the Lord is good, and God's steadfast love endures forever, and God's faithfulness to all generations. Porque Jehová es bueno. Para siempre es su misericordia y su verdad por todas las generaciones. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I decided to read scripture this morning um, bilingually. Um, it, I, I grew up most of my life being bilingual at home. You know, I spoke predominantly Spanish. Spanish was actually my first language. Um, and at home, my mom and I actually were learning English at the same time. Pretty funny. Um, but I grew up, you know, flipping back and forth from languages. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of my identity. It's a part. My name is Eliana Rios, and I serve as one of the pastors here at AUMC, and it is such a blessing to be able to be here with you and bring the word this morning. Um, and this morning, we're continuing in our Summer Psalms series, um, and today I want to talk a little bit about identity. And I want to start off by talking about my childhood, um, and in particularly, um, my childhood summers and how that eventually ended up leading to where I am now. So um, childhood summers were, for me, really, really, really awesome. Um, we had a carne asada every, almost every weekend. A carne asada is a cookout um, where we have delicious food, fajitas, salitas, right? Delic delicious salsas. I mean, we call them, you know, Chile, <laughs> right? But it's so good. It was awesome. We played lots of loud music uh, from cumbias to rancheras to norteñas to santejano, right? And there were way too many people at my house. 
all the time. I mean, I'm talking about all of my cousins, all of my tias, all of my tios, my siblings, my mom, my pa, my abuelita, right? I mean, so many people. And then my birthdays, I'm a May baby, so my birthday was in the summer. So imagine the carne asada times 10, right? And my birthday cakes were literally the size of like a whole table. It was pretty funny. I loved it, right? But again, it's, it's a part of how I grew up, and my childhood summers were awesome until they weren't. They were awesome until they weren't. When I was still a kid, I was about um, eight years old. Um, both of my parents fell ill one after another. My dad suffered a brain aneurysm. Um, and was in a coma for a couple of days, ICU. Um, my mom had several strokes, um, big ones, and then a couple of TIAs, mini strokes. Um, and I eventually found myself learning and knowing what Coumadin was and how often my mom had to take this medication so that she wouldn't get another blood clot that would lead to another stroke and also what lisinopril was and how often my dad had to take it so he wouldn't have another brain aneurysm. I was a child. And this really shifted something inside of me and it shifted something in my family. I found myself alone a lot of, a lot of other times, even though I had a household full of people. So this eventually led me to want to find a community of people that understood what it felt like to maybe feel alone, even when you're in a crowd. Um, and this led me to start to go to church. I was 11 when I started to go to church. I uh, went to a vacation Bible school, and um, the church that I went to was a small um, Pentecostal church, definitely not Methodist. So any recovering Pentecostals in here, I mean, say amen. Woo! Right? Amen. I mean, hey, it's a journey, right? But even as a kid, right, I came to this church, I came to this congregation, I came to this community with a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, and a lot of trauma. I was 11. And in the church, it was pretty cool because I found a loving youth group. Um, I found a place to belong, and I found Jesus. And this loving place was extremely formative in my early Christian years. And although I built a solid faith, right, a solid faith foundation, there was also a lot of church jargon that I picked up along the way and a lot of bad theology, right? And while my love for God and the gospel were real, because they were, they were real, in my, I'm a radical teen for Jesus years, I did and said some things to really hurt my family. The same family that went through a lot of hardships with our parents and the same family that would gather with me to have these carnasadas. I didn't see my family at that time as children of God. At least not yet. I thought that they needed to be saved 
AKA say a prayer of salvation. I would tell them that they needed to repent from their sinful ways. Ugh, I cringe even saying it now. In order to be saved once and for all and be adopted into God's family. And mind you, my concept of salvation, again, at that time was way different than what it is now. Thanks be to God. Amen. And that led to my family telling me that they didn't know who I was anymore. That led my family to tell me that I wasn't the same outgoing and bubbly and joyful person that they knew that I was. Because, I mean, they saw me. I was their family. And they told me that I was a typical judgmental Christian, that all I cared about was saving people. And that I thought that I was more righteous and better than everybody else. The fact that my own family told me that they didn't recognize me or know who I was anymore hurt me to my core. I drifted away from them. And this is what propelled me to begin that journey of deconstructing theology that I learned. And I appreciate that right now I'm, I'm in a community of folks that are continuing to do that deconstructing work. And I thank you because I sit here before you, I stand here before you being able to vulnerably share that. I didn't see my family as God's beloved. Honestly, at that point, I felt really confused about God. Like, I mean, really, really confused about God and God's love. Did God really want me to serve God, even if it came at the expense of my relationship with my family? No cuadra. It doesn't make sense. And one of the desires of my heart has always been to be close to my family. We went through so much with my parents getting sick. You know, and I remember thinking about the Bible, Dios te dará los deseos de tu corazón, right? God will give you the desires of the heart. That was one of the desires of my heart, was to be close to those that love me. So it just didn't sit well with me to serve a God that for God's namesake, I wouldn't be close to my people. And I knew there was work that I needed to do to kind of reauthor that in my head. And I want to look at scripture right now because scripture is one of those things that really, really helped me begin that process of deconstructing and reminding myself who I was and who I was in God, who I am in God. And to be fully transparent, right, um, Psalms, I absolutely love them. And the Psalm that we read this morning and that I'm going to explain, I used to see it and read it and think that it didn't apply to my family just yet because I didn't believe them to be children of God at that time. Like, if I could go back in time and tell 16-year-old Eliana, like, wake up, chica, like, come on, like, nah, it applied to them, it applies to them too, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe that I had to go through this journey. But I want to read scripture um, and focus on certain phrases in the psalm. Right in verse 1, it says, all the earth, all the earth, the whole earth, all means all. All means all. All the earth. Verse 2, come into God's presence with singing. 
I mentioned earlier, you know, about cumbias and rancheras and norteñas and tejano, right? Music is one of the universal and cultural aspects that is amongst all human societies. Even if it's a different language, even if it's a different tempo, a different rhythm, a different note, a different key, a different beat, whatever it may be, music in its beautiful and wonderful glory and in all of the harmonies ties us together. We all share in music. Verse three, God made us and we didn't make ourselves. Praise God for that. Because if it would have been in my hands, no, I probably, mm -mm, I'm not as creative as God, let me tell you. You know, we didn't create ourselves. And I like that because if, because God created us, God created us in God's image and God is love, which means we are God's beloved. We are God's beloved because we just are. Verse Three, part B of verse three, right? We're a sheep of God's pasture. Now, I'm gonna geek out a little bit about sheep because sheep are actually my favorite animal. Um, I absolutely adore sheep. Um, and your typical concept of a sheep is your white, fluffy sheep. And then sometimes the occasional black sheep, right? But y'all, there is over a thousand types of species of sheep over a thousand. Some have multiple horns. Some have horns that like twist. Um, they have different uh, hair textures, like wool textures. Not all of them are your like typical fluffy ones. Some of them have like coiled um, and what I would use the word nappy, right? Nappy hair. Um, and on top of that, on top of their appearance, the cool thing about sheep is that they're very complex animals. They are very emotionally intelligent and they're very aware of people's facial reactions and they have the ability to be also pessimist and optimist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they react to like laughter, they react to joy, they react to like, you know, people's anxiety. It's really, really neat. Sheep are very, very diverse, and they're, I mean, sheep are complex. So to be able to be called sheep of God's pasture, right, knowing that we are all diverse and that it's okay, because all sheep, not just the white ones, not just the black ones, and not just the ones with the twisty horns, but all of the sheep are sheep of God's pasture, right? And the fact that God's steadfast love remains, endures forever, it remains in existence, and that God's faithfulness is to all generations is something so special. That means that God's faithfulness is to you and to me, to everybody. And I want to come back to verse 3 for a little bit um, when I said that we are God's beloved. You know, we are God's beloved because we just are at our core, right? Thinking of our identity and how our identity as God's beloved, right? What, what does that mean, though? Right? At our core essence, the main identity that unites us all is that we are God's beloved. And I want to be very, very clear about something. 
that our identity as God's beloved, that thing that unites us all, doesn't discredit everything else that makes up who we are. So what makes you and me different is still very much so a part of our identity. It's just that we have the umbrella of being God's beloved and everything else in between. There are parts of our human identity that make us unique and that also make us human. And we currently live in a world where because of our human condition, because of our humanity, we tend to lose sight of our identity as God's beloved for whatever reason that might be. And sometimes we focus solely on those things that make us different that set us apart or that tell us that we don't belong in a certain community or amongst a certain group of people or that we need to exclude certain people because they don't look or behave or love the way that we do or think is right. We begin to overlook the beloved of God sometimes. And the pain and the suffering that comes as a result of our human response to our differences. And sometimes we're even overlooked ourselves. But I want to share something good. That even though we tend to lean in these human tendencies, right? The spirit is still very active. The spirit moves. The spirit is at work. God's spirit is at work amongst the beloved amongst the beloved. I mean, the Spirit of God is here to transform, to heal, and to call to action. And church, I, I, I have a question today, you know, because I want to talk about the Spirit of God and how the Spirit of God is moving. You know, but are we aware of the movement of the Spirit? Are we aware of the things that are happening within our communities, in our church, in our neighborhood, and amongst God's beloved? I want to share a couple of ways in which um, the Spirit of God is moving here at AUMC. The Spirit of God um, has been moving through the Say Their Names exhibit outside. And if you haven't had a chance to go and look at the Say Their Names um, exhibit outside. I want to encourage you to, because today is the last day the exhibit um, leaves today at 3 p.m. And I want to share, you know, if I can be vulnerable again, because I am a person of color, right? I, the first time, the first few times that I walked past, I was like, yep, I know what it's like to be a person of color. So I've said these names several times before. In anger and in compassion and in frustration and in hope. But I have said these names before. <laughs> oh, man. But the Spirit of God quickly moved in my heart to what I say amongst my friends, right? To humble check me. <laughs> like, I got humble checked. I was like, <clears throat> Okay, God, I get it. I'm sorry. But I got, I took time. I went out there. I scanned the QR code and read 
I took time to pray over the families of those that are sitting out there out of God's beloved. I took the time. It, it, it cost me a little bit of my pride, but I was so grateful. I was so grateful for that opportunity because I knew that I didn't sit in my privilege. I knew that I didn't conform with the, I'm not racist, I'm a person of color identity portion of myself. And even though I didn't want to go there, I allowed myself to go there because I knew that the Spirit of God was moving. The Spirit of God is moving beyond the four walls of this church as well. The Spirit of God is moving through the LGBT community, and I want to also lift up um, in particular about our trans and binary folks. The Spirit of God is moving within this community. Trans Lifeline. Um, it'll come up right here in just a second. Trans Lifeline. To my trans and non-binary siblings, if you are watching and you need support, if you are in this room and you need support, here's the website and here's the number. It's a support hotline for trans and non-binary persons by trans and non-binary persons. There's over 600 plus operators that are trained. That means that there are over 600 plus operators that are trans or non-binary that are providing support for this community. They are taking their time to see their fellow peers as God's beloved. Over 103,000 calls have been answered. And as of midsummer of last year of 2020, a line in Spanish was offered for this community. The Spirit of God is moving. And now there's an opportunity for the Spirit of God to, to call into action so many people, us too. Right, I want to share a little bit about um, DACA, Deferred Action of Childhood Arrivals. Um, it's a, um, something that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, and my husband shares it in, in his call story. Um, but my husband was a DACA recipient. Um, and um, as of the end of June, there are about 81,000 first-time DACA applications. And not to mention all of the people that are going to be renewing their DACA applications. And to renew and to get your DACA application process, it's about 120 days. And right now, there is a backlog. It has taken a, a lot longer than 120 days to get these applications through and process. That means that these persons that are either renewing their DACA or waiting to apply are running out of time or the people that are wanting to renew their DACA, I apologize, are running out of time. And they could potentially lose their status and their jobs in this country. Mind you, these are healthcare workers. These are first responders. And on top of that, they're just people within our communities. And with the 81,000 that are still awaiting, there is... They, they're awaiting temporary, unconditional relief from deportation. And they're also awaiting for this country to see them as God's beloved. 
Friends, the Spirit of God is moving. There are so many people in so many different communities that are struggling for people to see them as God's beloved. I know that I've been guilty of doing things that make others not feel like the beloved of God. And maybe today, this morning, you find yourself in a space where you know that you are God's beloved. Like, you know it logically, right? It makes sense, and you know it, and you're hearing it. But perhaps you don't feel it. Perhaps you don't feel that you are God's beloved. Or maybe you were or are in the position where you've not felt seen as a beloved of God. And also you recognize that you have also made other people not feel seen as the beloved of God. And like I said, I've, I've been there. I've been in both places. I've been in the place where I haven't felt seen and where I've made others not feel seen. But God is at work. The Spirit of God is at work, and we don't stay there. I encourage us not to stay there. Right? The situation and the dynamic between my family and I is um, totally different now. Like, it's 100% different. My sister and I are best friends. We're best friends. We can tell each other everything now. And we're actually going to go on vacation this week um, together. And she tells me all the time, you're like, she tells me, like, dude, you're so laid back now. I'm glad you're not one of those Christians anymore. I know, it's pretty funny. And it's hilarious because we have that connection where we can just vulnerably and openly share my brothers and I actually have a relationship. It's pretty cool because it's not just like, hey, what's up, bro? Hey, what's up, sis? Okay, bye. Like, no, we actually have meaningful and deep conversations, and we go at it, and they ask me questions about the Bible, and I answer, and they're like, oh, but you can do all of this while I'm sitting here drinking a glass of whiskey, and you're not going to tell me that I'm going to burn in hell for drinking? I'm like, yeah, dude, no, like. No, that's you and your relationship with God, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, but it's really cool to see. And my parents, of course, are my world. My parents are my best friends and we can talk about pretty much anything and everything. You know, but it took work to get there. It took so much work to get to that point. And it took many years of deconstructing the thought that by our deeds and by our words and by our prayers and by our achievements, we could earn a place in God's family. And honestly, it's still taking work. And it took me being able to see my family for who they are. And I still work at that every day. It took me time to realize for myself, too, that I am who I am because two wonderfully strong and beautiful Mexicanos decided to cross a river to come to this country just so that I could be born. And that in me being born, by simply just being Eliana Sillas Rios, I'm not only my parents and my family's beloved, but God's as well. It's taken work, and it's going to be never-ending work.
And it's work that's going to continue for the rest of our days. And I want to ask today, church, will we leave this space ready to engage in the work of seeing God's primal and core identity in others and in ourselves and know that that is what binds us together and makes us family? Will we do the work of building a world where all of the earth, and I mean all the earth, knows that they are God's beloved and our beloved? Will we be intentional about making spaces to continue to allow others and ourselves to be fully us and allow our identity and our essence to fully shine? I want to leave us with words from the reading earlier. Maybe we're inside the middle of transformation where it hurts a little. The caterpillar making its way toward the butterfly. While we are in this cocoon, dreaming of who will be, working toward it, we acknowledge that this space right now is necessary and good in the process, and we cannot skip it. You and I are in the midst of our chemical reaction of the soul, and we cannot go back now. The only way is forward. El único camino es hacia adelante and into glorious and unknown light. Y en la luz que es gloriosa y desconocida. May it ever be so. Así sea. Amen.